We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today, we talk moving averages. We talk about our, experience, our thoughts on the lockout, how, how taking the temperature of that, and we're going to get to know John Legaza. That, that and a whole lot more kind of on the Rotowire Fantasy Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here. And uh, it is today is Thursday, February 17th. My guest today is John Legaza. He does MLB moving averages. That's his Twitter handle. You know that. He also has been doing a, a, the Cork Stats podcast. He's been doing a lot of stuff on the Mayo Media Network. Yeah. And one of the things he's been doing lately, and I've been a big fan, is the counterpoint episodes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've been listening to those. They are fantastic. John, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Well, I'm great. I can hardly contain this smile. You know, Rotowire is a gold standard in the industry, yourself included. To having you back has been so great. And when Rotowire puts out more content, you just find more time to listen to it. Ah, thank you very much. I appreciate you. I never that. miss an episode. Uh, and I, you are a good consumer of content in this industry. Something I wish I was better at. Uh, I, I feel like there's only so many hours in the day, and sometimes I'll just, ca- you know. I need to like listen to music instead of the podcast, but I re- there's so much good work being done in our community. Sure, absolutely, you know, between TGFBI, Raz, Raz Slam, and of course uh, the the podcast bracket that Chris does. You know, I've gotten this exposure to so many other great great podcasts out there. Knowing that, you know, and I know people from Tout Wars already, so it's good to get to know more of the new school. I'm old school, so it's good to know the new school and getting more with that. This is the second time I've been on a camera with you. I was on you with, with you with the uh, Triple Play 100th oh, episode, briefly, yeah. uh, so that was fun, too. Uh, but let's jump right into your calling card. It's moving okay. averages, rolling averages, some people call it there, uh, and it's a concept that's used in finance a lot, yep. but maybe not as much in the fancy sports industry. Tell people what it's about. And how you became the advocate for that. All right. Well, basically, you know, it's a, it's a way to provide a different type of perspective. And again, these are just tools. Nothing is definitive or will mm-hmm. be absolute. But something that I, I hear you speak about all the time is just us looking for more objective parameters, more objective ways to go about our business, particularly in terms of maybe dropping a player or doing analysis. Where do we pull the cord? And using moving averages can help to give us a better perspective than just a whole season or even a 
half season because it's a pretty good method for trend indication. And that's really what it's used for on Wall Street. Again, nothing is right. perfect. You can't subscribe to these things. Absolutely. But they are a pretty good tool for trend indication. Okay, cool. So you know, now without revealing all the secret sauce, how do you go about computing a moving average? Well, let's do the best thing we can always do, Jeff, right, is to define it. So moving averages, a moving average, I should say, it's a succession of averages derived from successive segments, typically of constant size and overlapping, of a series of values, okay? okay? It's calculated by adding recent values and then dividing that figure by the number of time periods that sure. you're looking for. So it's, let's say we're looking back, it's the last, it's an average of the last seven days would be the seven day moving average, 1430. And you can continue to go on and on. And what those will do is kind of measure different types of volatility, right? A shorter term average will most likely be more volatile than a longer term one. And as we adjust the time frame that we look at, again, it gives us a pretty good perspective at trend indication, in particular to be applied to baseball, let's say, as we know, I mean, people that are orders of magnitude smarter than myself, like Russell Carlton, Todd Zola, Derek Cardi have done work on stabilization. And if we know that disciplinary metrics might stabilize in 40 to 50, we should be looking at those metrics in terms of 40 and 50 piece samples. And what better way than with a rolling average that won't just keep us myopic and solely focused on one small piece of the pie. It allows us to take a granular look at a large sample. So it really is, it's very effective, I find. Yeah, and I think that's good to distinguish that it's not just, hey, what has this guy done in the last 40, 50 days? It's a role, you know, it, it's a series of events there. And I, I like that too, because we always preach that baseball is a long-term sport. You know, yeah. it, it's not not being caught in the moment. It's more than just role. You know, you compare that to in the NBA, especially football, uh, where so much is determined by role. Uh, whereas baseball, you it's batter versus pitcher is it's really the essence of the game, and you you control a lot more of that there. So I think that's very interesting. You know, I think that the other thing that's really interesting to me is trying to compute this rolling average for the particular stat and how you've talked about. There's been great research on stabilization rates. Yeah. You know, K percentage is one of those things that might stabilize a little bit faster than other items. There, how do you uh, go about finding out what do you think is the best time frame? for a specific stat? Wow. I, again, I don't think there's a definitive answer. And mm -hmm. if you adjust these timeframes, you will find similar pictures. So I recommend that people do play with the time frame. I have landed around 40 games for hitters, particularly in disciplinary metrics in that basket for two reasons, because we know that it can stabilize around that, but also 40 being, you know, 40 games being a quarter of the 160. So I think it plays a couple roles, right? 40 games is a quarter of the season, but it's also close to that stabilization point. And all you're going to notice as you change, it's just really a flattening or exaggeration of that trend. And again, I recommend people look at all of them. I've settled at, at 40 for disciplinary trends and Gosh, there's so much to unlock there, Jeff. It it, it, yeah. it really will help us. It will help us to not pull the cord too early during the natural oscillation. And I think that is really at the center point of understanding this. As humans, we want everything to move continually. We want players to improve in perpetuity, just always getting better every year. It doesn't work that way. Find the most bullish stock chart that you can, 
right? It looks, if you look at it on a five-year trend, it looks like it always goes up. The more you zoom in, the more you see the peaks and the valleys, the ebbs and the flows. And that's what we want to understand, that they are naturally ingrained. They are inherent to the pattern. And we should not let the whatever leg of the channel that's going against us dictate the move too early. And we're going to get into exactly how to apply that, particularly with discipline, particularly with some power hitters, I hope that we're going to talk about and hoping to unlock that breakout before the market does. And, you know, that that's what I'm hoping. That's really where I've planted my flag in this, in this draft season is identifying those trends before the market because again, everyone is so sharp, Jeff. That we we have to almost it's incredible innovate. Incredible, yeah. The market to is. be on the tip of the spear, you almost have to innovate at the risk of failing. I feel. Yeah, absolutely, hundred uh, percent agree. Uh, and if you don't, and if you're not the first mover, you miss out. If you yeah. wait, to, you know, for whatever you know size that you think, it, 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 you know, at least, at least, and I think that's especially true in the past. You know, I missed out completely on the Jose Bautista breakout completely 100 percent. i was like oh i need to see more than that well i forgot that he did it a little bit in the end of 2009 before he had the big breakout in 2010 you know that's something that uh, would have been handy to know uh but also you just gotta take the chance sometimes it's yeah. and i think that's the trickier part uh so but then uh, and then the, the other aspect though is like you said pulling the ripcord too soon when a guy is failing a little bit too and that's always a big risk so uh yeah. Do you have a background in finance? Uh, is this – yeah. what do you do? Well, uh, this – what did you uh, do? Just, just briefly, how it kind of ended up here, just in a 30-second in a nutshell. I was a commercial electrician, which those – they do very well. It's a kind yep. of a cool mix of brains and brawn. That was always my thing. And I always like to do the high-rise stuff, tops of bridges, mm -hmm. really all kinds of cool stuff. We talked about that the other day. When I was um, in law school, I worked in an electrician's shop. So Yeah, uh, it's a lot for, of fun. For it's, college, a, it's a lot of but... fun. It keep you on your toes, you know, because you don't want to get hurt. And yeah. – Part of that business, unfortunately, there is unemployment. And some people do well enough that you don't have to do anything. I'm not the type. I, I mean, idle hands. I'm not into that. So I got into finance, and that ended up taking a bigger and bigger part of the pie. Fast forward, I ended up getting really hurt really bad. I had a spinal surgery, and I had to do more of the brain work than the body work. And then the love of stocks and the love of baseball and fantasy, I, there was so much overlap. Not only in theory, but then to application that I said, man, I really got to start testing this. And it worked really well. I mean, I've been successful in betting every day, which is it's very difficult to bet baseball. And I've kind of been I've been I've turned out three years in a row. We're doing double digit ROIs as if it was a normal thing. And it's it's not. And this has been at the center of it, sniffing out those trends and kind of being willing to buck the market, right? That's when you're going to make your most money, unfortunately, when there's blood in the streets. Having the gusto to buy when everyone is selling, that's how you make your money, unfortunately. It's almost like winning at DFS. You have to be unique because if you win with everybody, the win itself is not as valuable. Sure. And I wonder, with everything exploding in terms of legal online sports betting, how has the market changed for you? <laughs> I, man, I, I, Jeff, this is so funny because, and I, I don't want to knock anyone because this is not a swipe at anyone, but it's a swipe at everyone. Okay. With saturation comes saturation. So like the betting brought in a lot of squares, the squares brought in a lot of advertising money and the advertising money is bringing in a lot of bad betting advice. They're more worried about studio production than actually being, let's say being a professional, but deploying professional risk management is at the center 
of understanding sports betting, meaning I'm not very good at sports betting because I can tell you the future. It's just not how it works. I understand I have a very effective model, but I understand how to deploy this model in accordance with daily risk allotment and stuff like that. So you're not, you're just not hearing a lot of that. And that's where it's failing. People are looking for the thousand unit gains and fire emojis. And that's just not really how it is. It's a small business like any other small business, Jeff, where if you had a very successful first month, selling t-shirts or widgets, you wouldn't be digging in the cash register. And again, that's what people do. They want to bet and spend that money when it shouldn't. It should stay in the register to bankroll. So there's a lot of failed process and the public likes favorites and they like overs. So right now I'm betting the under and the underdog pretty much every time because that's where the profit is right now. You know, so it's bringing in a lot of people. They're not necessarily doing it right, but their money can tip the scale and it's really made betting betting markets a bit softer if you're sharp, I think. And it's probably timing pretty good considering that the fantasy market is getting sharper and sharper, both DFS wow. and all clear and even you know in season long. Clearly the NFBC is it's a super sharp market. Wow. Unbelievably sharp. It's unbelievable. And it, I think part of that is my own growth as a roto player. Again, I always was very good at the business part, understanding risk and uh, roster construction played into what I do best. Fab plays into what I do best. But I didn't really understand all the formatting that it takes. And, you know, players like yourself and really sharp guys always maximizing plate appearances and innings pitch. Something that I didn't do. Jeff, I kind of had a – and not to say it's wrong, but it, it is an NFBC. It's a little wrong. I had a – I let the baseball card play out. So I had a very patient approach. And why, why, why is Jeff Erickson adding the back end of the Cardinals lineup – not realizing that next Monday, not this Monday, next Monday they were going to Colorado. And that's what I noticed about it. And everyone is that sharp in NFBC. So if you're not using that type of really go get him attitude, like really gung ho, trying to be the most efficient player as possible, you're going to fall behind the pack, no matter how good you are a player analysis. Yeah. And the funny thing is the, the market's gotten so sharp. There's so many smart people in it. And then Phil Dussault comes in last year and just utterly lays waste to the competition, not just, had a good year, but 23 for 23, Mike, that's just so unlikely. Just, it, it, it's unbelievable. It's mind blowing how much he dominated the field. Well, I, man, if I, if I can compare myself to Phil only in the most kind of like, you know, secondary way, it's that this is what drives me because he sniffed out in inefficiency and did not hesitate he was not reticent at all to attack and that kind of plays into what i'm doing you know a couple years ago people looked at rolling charts and averages and said this is not this is not going to work i've been told that right to my face this is not anything almost discard this idea and now three years in the future this looks like we're heading towards this is direction it is because not only has it been efficient but people are picking up on it and trying to digest it and expand on it and stuff so I can't promise mine's going to work that way, but it really put a lot of wind in my sails, Jeff, to believe. And I always try and tell that to people, man, the most money is made when everyone else is scared. You, you, you can't necessarily go with the market. You got to be able, willing to go against it. Phil did, and it paid off. And I'm kind of doing the same. I'm getting a lot of pushback on some of the work I've done, which is based on trend indication. And I'm showing you the work. It's objective. It doesn't mean it's going to work, you know, not definitively, but this is why I'm doing it. And we're going to go back and back test it. But right now, I am kind of bucking the system myself. So I love seeing these independent stories, man. God, that was just fantastic by him. What a rough, just fantastic, man. Amazing. Wow. And so humble of a guy, such a nice guy. 
Uh, I find it very funny. I find yeah. it to be very funny. Very understated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very, very dry humor that the half the room, and I think it takes a few seconds to digest, but I get it immediately because I, I just think he's a great guy. Yeah. And that's the type of humor that appeals to me for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And not, not, not Thursday night at the Chuckle Hut, but as right. my friend Scott Pianowski <laughs> used to say. Uh, but, you know, just very understated. It's definitely my, my type of humor. Uh, before I move on, uh, I wanted to share a quick note from our friends at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Pretty soon I'm going to get to name all the states, but we're at nine. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, <laughs> Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm here with John Legaza from MLB Moving Averages, Cork Stats, Mayo Media Network. John, where are you based? What are you? You're East Coast. You got to be East Coast. Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. And I'm one I of thought. those guys. I haven't really been very far from there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, I know you did a podcast with my, our buddy Matt Modique, and I can't yes. wait. I heard uh, Vlad, our buddy Vlad Sedler called it the Sopranos cast. The Roto Sopranos. Roto Sopranos. And yeah. I got to definitely check that out. I alluded to, I don't catch enough podcasts. Man, there's just too many of them. It's hard. Many good it's difficult, ones. yeah. But you do that. That's one of the things I love that you're doing with these, uh, uh, w- with your podcast there, the, uh, the the counterpoints. How did you decide to start doing this? Well, it's from consuming so much of it. And mm-hmm. I'm very opinionated. And a lot of it I know is data back because I do a lot of my own research. And it's just me tired of, I was talking to myself in the grocery store. And that's how I consume it, Jeff. You know, I'm becoming, I'm working my way up to like husband of the year here by consuming podcasts because all of a sudden I volunteer to do the grocery shopping. I volunteer go. to go, I volunteer to go pick up my daughter. I take my son to go get a haircut. I'll go to the butcher shop, hit up the bank. And all of a sudden I'm like this great guy. But really what I was doing was spending two hours with basically so focused. I love music, but I don't really care for what I'm going to catch on the radio, especially with all the commercials. If it's a time where I could focus, I do. And Man, okay, I really, I, I almost feel bad that you and Scott in particular were there for me during that injury that I mentioned before. And it's a very rough time in my life where mm-hmm. I was told I would not even be doing what I'm doing today, you know, doing my loud hand motions and head on a swivel type of deal. Oh, wow. And it's really important to me. So, so a little sidebar of that. So thank you for all the stuff you do. I, no I, it goes beyond, it transcends just baseball, Jeff. And I want you to know you guys, you guys mean a lot to a lot of us. Like, it really does. Well, thank it means you. a lot to us. Yeah, yeah. So don't ever be late again. You were, you'd miss the Monday and that will not, that will not stay. Right, that, <laughs> that, that will not hold. I don't care that you're at the Super Bowl. I want you to so, do it from the Super Bowl next time so i'm on the ride home right so i'm always (laughs) consuming and you'll be in the in the supermarket and i heard mason mention he was worried about zach gallon's injury history and i said wait a minute zach gallon led major leagues in pitches thrown from july 31st on when he returned he led the major league in pitches thrown i mean hard to again i don't know how to predict injuries but for me, especially with a pitcher, you finish strong. I'm not worried. And that kind of plays into what we were talking about, this overarching theme about context and nuance and always having that microscope out because you could miss, right? You could miss it. We heard four. And it's not, you know, Mason's a fantastic analyst. He's super sharp. But we yeah. heard forearm. 
and we saw limited innings. So it's very intuitive to piece together injury risk. But uh, again, a little bit of context. And again, this doesn't mean Gallon won't get hurt. But throwing the most pitches in the league, again, Jeff, on a team with no reason to compete. All the other pitchers on that list were all gunning for a playoff spot. So uh, imagine if they, he was gunning for a playoff spot. He might have been throwing right. 120 pitchers in those games. So that was part of it, me yelling at people in the shop, right? You know, and them going, who is Zach Gallon? You know, what are you, what are you talking about? And I, I decided, you know what, maybe I could do this properly. And to be honest, one last part is, it's my answer to Twitter and the toxic disgrace of conversations that happen there. This is how I feel it should be done. Again, I don't know, but this is how I feel it should be done. You respect the person, you lay out your respect for them, and then you make a data-backed argument that is totally impersonal, right? It's not a personal attack. So thank you so much. I, I It's been so well-received. I'm going to keep doing them. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, and I like, I like the concept. I like that they're not like an hour and a half. They're, yeah, it's quick, know, yeah. As someone who has podcasts that go over an hour, <clears throat> but anyways, uh, you know, but a good one, a good one, at least. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And we have a fun time. Uh, and man, I, and I have great podcast partners. That's the great thing. Yeah. Um, Scott's awesome. Fred's awesome. Uh, and then just, I get a chance to meet somebody every week and I like that right. too. And it's just hey, new friends, old friends. It's, it's fun. I love doing yeah. that. Um, you know, and I want to say one other thing. Oh, and so you do this, Pretty much so. I'm glad that you're starting to do, you know, more with other people like you did with Matt and all that, too. But how do you maintain like that energy, the enthusiasm for a full podcast when you're going solo like that? Well, part of it is straight up passion. The other part is the drive because I was told I can't do this. And the third part is, you know, I got to keep the lights on and the kids fed. I got a really pretty wife that I got to keep happy. And <laughs> for me, back to what, again, I've always liked to intertwine these topics. The market is so sharp. I find my success in betting baseball, a lot of it stems from the whole year focus. You know, some mm -hmm. people, I, I understand betting is the art against betting the science. I like to stay focused on the game. And I'm really, really hip to what's going on, especially early in the season. My expectations, because I've done all these arsenal dissections and stuff like that. So it keeps making me better. And I, I, so I just keep pushing. I just keep pushing it forward. I truly believe in this. Like, I truly believe that these new methods of picking up on indication and applying these, you know, trend kind of the methodology of picking up on trends, I should say, I truly think that's the future of understanding, you know, and that's a big part of fantasy, right? This thing of ours, this thing that we do, we don't try and see the future, but put ourselves in the best kind of probabilistic scenario. Right. And sure. particularly for pitchers. So like, I'll give you a perfect example. If we pick up on a pitcher making a change, Jeff, it's hard to go back. And I believe that's where projection systems fail. And I think they would admit that it's, it's hard to use a back looking weighted average. If a pitcher is changing grips, which changes pitch shapes, then changes his pitch mix, which affects the contact quality and swing and miss stuff. Once we change all those things, looking backwards is not as valuable as understanding the new and the direction it might take us. So yeah. that's I think that's really where I've been going at is as much as I like to look back at stats, I kind of want to take this 35,000 foot view and get a better idea of the inputs to help determine the outputs. I think that's a great point. I mean, I, you know, every stat that we use is backwards looking. Uh, and you need scouting. You need information. Sometimes it's not scouting. Sometimes it's information. But I, if you can get, add scouting, like be Jason Gray for a moment and be a fantastic player and a major league scout, well, then then you've got the whole package. You know, Jason and I would always used to joke, he's picking up a cutter. 
uh, I think Scott Schoenweiss was the uh, first example that we were joking around with sometimes, but it's huge. You know, the yeah. best shape of their life sort of reports sometimes <laughs> actually matter. Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so picking up a new pitch. And that's one thing that Jeff Zimmerman does very well. You know, he oh, does yeah. his mining the news column um, and he's on top of that. And again, that that's time. Also, yeah. that puts, you, you know, to stay on top of everything, you know, we have our news and it's great. And I try to consume all of it. I can't even read everything that's on our own site. It's crazy how much how there's out you? there. It's like a fire hose of information. Yeah. Well, man, that's another, probably another great topic for another day is that filtration process. It's very important. Yep. It's very important because you can oversaturate. And even though I do enjoy, you know, simultaneous contradictory points like that to me that's kind of a sign of intelligence being able to maintain those things there mm -hmm. is such a thing as overload in you know sensory overload i know that i hear you speak about that that's something a term that i know that you use and that's yep. true so yeah being able to whittle it down very very important right really it reminds me of that lincoln quote man give me five hours to chop down the tree i'm going to spend four hours sharpening the axe but we still need the right tool to do that because you can yeah. use the wrong tool right it's a very important 100%. that's a great point yeah, we, we, we clearly do. And the funny thing is, and it always used to be to try to filter out this noise, filter out this noise. Well, sometimes that noise has some nuggets, and that's the tricky yeah. part. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. And then you just know what you have to do is get that. used to listening to people that you may not like. That's what's that's what kind of hard. It's hard for people. It's hard for yeah. people. Is podcasting, there's an element of entertainment. You have to almost compartmentalize that and ignore it and think of these platforms in terms of what's entertaining versus what has, you know, applicable knowledge. They're not all going to do both. I like that. I try my best to do both. It's a very difficult juggling act. You know, I, I think you're you're the, probably the guy doing it the best right now. It's very difficult. It really is to be engaging, to be entertaining while hosting, but also bringing in knowledge that we can also use. It's it's it's, it's a total juggling act. I'm a new at it. I'm doing my best, but I have some work to do. You know. I think the key is realizing that you're whoever you're talking with has something to share um, yeah. and learn from them. Um, take a step back. I, I try to at least. Sometimes I, I step over my co-hosts and all that, so I try not to. But it, it's you got to let them, you got to let it breathe a little bit there, and that's that's the fun part. Um, you're doing. But correct me if I'm wrong. You're baseball only, correct? Well, I, I do love football, and I have done football content in the past because, you know, the gambling element, I love – I still love the statistics, and football, that's another thing. There, with the inception of advanced statistics, there's a little bit of a new understanding going on similar to baseball, and that's really what I like. I yeah. like the stats beyond the stats. You know, our understanding of blocking and line uh, play – is really where I am. Pace of play, I feel. Pace of play is probably the most important statistics that are okay. not that are not being used in football. But yeah, I'll do a little bit of football. But baseball is, it's always on the whiteboard. You know, it never fully gets ignored. Just because I want to just keep it sharp. Even if it's once a week, we're doing some baseball stuff, just keeping it sharp, playing with spreadsheets, doing some formula stuff, going over my algorithm and back testing stuff. Just, you know, like I said, just so it's always a little bit on the floor. We were talking prior to recording how we're monitoring the lockout and how, hey, this is our livelihood. Uh, this is this is big stuff, and a lot of people are feeling this way. Uh, I you know I saw Joe Sheehan's tweets from late last night, and he's really down. And yeah. Joe's a good friend of mine, so I, I just we were going back and forth texting in addition to his tweets, and I agree with his thing. I I'm I thought this was going to get a lot closer to a solution by now, and yeah. now I feel like we're nowhere close to a solution. Yeah, sadly, uh, you know, I'm and I'm on record. I, I haven't deleted the tweets. I 
thought six to eight weeks ago that there was kind of a performative element to this and, mm -hmm. you know, lawyers getting paid by the hour with clients to please, but also representation to please. Remember I did, I mentioned being a commercial electrician was part of a labor union in New York city. Again, yeah. it's not the level of major league baseball, but a lot of the fundamental elements are the same and representation, you know, the membership, we call it wants to be properly satisfied. And what sure. I was telling people is, if you send in a negotiator and they come out three minutes later going, made a deal, before you hear the terms, you're critical of it because you don't feel like they've fought hard enough. So I always said this was going to get closer to the deadline than not. So be ready. Be ready for the doom saying. Be ready, be ready, be ready. And now it's like here we are. And it's been it's difficult for me because right now, Jeff, I'm strapped in. You know, like I, I put my, my seatbelts are on and I'm holding on to the armrest waiting for impact. It's not out of the question, right? We don't have to build a 300-story skyscraper. It's not like it's something physical. It is money and numbers, which can be traversed in a matter of hours with proper understanding. But I don't know if we're going to get there, dude. Yeah, I, I don't feel like we're anywhere close. And I, to, for the life of me, I don't even know what the owners want. I think that's the thing that blows me away is I, they haven't moved. Everything. You know, they have everything. That's yeah. the thing that, that blows me away is that, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I know some, I, I know, well, I think there is some inner, uh, inner owner warfare going on here that we don't know about that they do. Oh, uh, it's possible. Uh, it was, where, that makes a lot, that would make a lot of sense. That's a, right. that's a good way to think, uh, try to understand these things. It's not crazy. It makes a lot of sense. It would check, would check a lot of boxes. You know, there's that famous line, right? The, right now the owner's offer is nothing and they're willing to double it. And it's like, that's, that's right where we feel we are. Yeah. I feel like that's the case. Now I, I could be wrong. I mean, there's two sides to every argument. There's, yeah. no, there's more than two sides. There's like a hundred sides, but yeah. uh, right now I just, I'm not that optimistic. I've found myself being less enthusiastic about signing up for a, yet another draft and hold. I'm ready for regular draft season to go. I'm ready for the Rotowire launch online championship, the beat Jeff Erickson, if you will. Yeah. I'm ready for, you know, I can't wait to book my hotel for the main event. I'm ready for tout wars. You know, I've got labor next week. We're actually going to do that. We're going, we're pushing forward with labor. We're pushing forward out. Um, uh, but man, I just, mm, I, I, I'm slowing down on my signups elsewhere, though. Just kind of like waiting. Listen, that's understandable. And I don't even think you should have to say it with the inflection as if you're doing something wrong from a right. strictly from a business, strictly from a business standpoint, as information changes, our actions should change. We're not sure now. Yeah. So those, you know, especially with leagues, like I, I was kind of digging these main event qualifiers. It's given me a chance to sharpen those skills I mentioned before. I know I'm very good at yep. player analysis. I need a little more work in between the lines to compete in NFBC 15-team Roto Leagues. It's a fab league. You don't really want to draft fab right now if the start, if the starting point is in question because, listen, saves are at the center point of that. You, you don't want to pay up. You don't want to overpay for the second closer if the season might be two months away, because there's too much data yet to come. So hundred percent, I think you're doing the right thing. I think, you, I think you're doing the right thing, particularly in the, I don't think there's much edge to be found feeling that there's a, a delay, you know, maybe right. You push up a Cunha to 1.1, but there's not much to be had. So if you're pumping the brakes, you're pumping the brakes. I think it's understandable. Yeah. And I don't want to do that, especially because like Greg Ambrosius is a really good friend of mine uh, and he's got a business to run. I'm, I'm sick for him. Is it's driving him crazy? I've got a business run. Our, our signups are slowed right now. And I get it. You know, usually we get this the, the week after the Super Bowl, you get this big bump, and then you get pitchers and catchers reporting, you get another huge bump. Yeah. You know, there's that normal cycle, and now it's interrupted. Yeah. So that's frustrating. Uh, 
I want to talk about closers and what you said on uh, the last uh, Cork Stats about that. But first, got to do another quick advertising note from our good friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for the for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Big thanks to Thrive. And now a quick note from our friends, friends at the Blue Wire Network, and we'll be done with our ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, that is it. I'm Jeff Erickson here with John Legaza. John, again, tell everybody all the many outlets where they can find your work. Well, I got some breaking news. I just got my first tout war invitation so i'm very I'm very proud of that that's right yeah jake seeley uh, the all-in kid the all-in beast is bringing me in as a ringer i think to help, <laughs> to help clean up a little bit i know with his football focus him and i've gotten a little close talking about it you know talk about outsourcing work and stuff like that so thank you jake and all the people at tout wars so yeah you could find me cork stats is the keywords you know it's unique enough you'll find it anywhere if you type it into youtube i have a cork stats youtube channel I also, Pat Mayo was a nightmare. What a great guy. He was nice enough to platform the Cork Stats show. It's on 
the Mayo Media Network every Monday and Friday. And at this point, there's quite a library. So if there's anybody just kind of interested in the stuff I'm talking about, if you want the more granular applications of these things, gosh, I've done a ton. I mean, there's got to be three dozen videos at this point breaking down pictures at the most granular kind of level. You know, it's my pinned tweet right now. Also, if you'd like to see how we apply these charts to apical kind of fantasy, you know, situations, I used all my rolling average charts to kind of see if I could find separation between Bueller, Wheeler, and Max Scherzer. And here's a teaser I did. So check out the, you know, MLB moving ABG and everything Cork Stats. Yeah, I'm everywhere. Hopefully, you know, uh, you learn something. It's a lot of fun to do. And Pat is the man when it comes to video. I mean, and he's got the background. He's got his own studio. Most of us, like, you can see my background a little bit. Sometimes <laughs> you get the sign a little bit there. I just, I'm in my house. I'm doing it. You know, I put up a banner. Uh, no, Pat's got the studio. He's got the sound dialed in. He, he's He's got the best production values. And it's, I don't want to say diminish him just to be just production values because his content's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And his delivery is phenomenal, <laughs> He's too. known for the cast of characters he keeps. <laughs> Well, that and that's my, the thing. That's, I was so flattered, man. I was so flattered. I really yeah. was. It's so he, he he gets the entertainment side, but he gets you the, anal, the analytical side too. Such a smart guy. Uh, had him on with the football podcast in the fall. Uh, love seeing his stuff. I've been doing yeah. golf, and you know we, we had the gaming golf podcast, and that's a lot of fun. Pat's the man when it comes to golf. Yeah. Though. He he he's carved out that niche. Um, became the guy in the industry to do that, and others have followed and. We're trying to do our best, but he's the gold standard. He's really good. Yeah, I, he's I, so cool. I, I just want to speak highly of him. Um, let's. You, you, we're talking on the last Cork Stats uh, on your last uh, uh, episode here, how you're teasing how you are going earlier and earlier on closers. Yeah. You'd rather get the three closers and not the, and not use 10 spots in a draft and hold to try to find those saves. Tell me more about that. Oh, well, okay, that was a bit of a one-off. So I really have to preface it with where the draft capital was spent. Yep. Relievers are obviously in draft holds being pushed way, way, way up. I ended up in a room where they weren't, which just felt odd. And I had a middle spot, so I believe it was the eighth pick. Love and I got uh, Iglesias in the third, which is something I would normally do. And I think I got Chapman in the fourth, which again, which is something I would do. And I would normally shut the door there. Maybe I'd be looking for a third and, gosh, it's somebody not very good. It's a Trevino would be the earliest. Then maybe back it's a Finnegan or a Estevez. And you can tell by the way I'm kind of doing my stinky nose. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like those guys. And I don't think having even the two up front might necessarily be enough. Injury, who knows? Bad situational stuff, who knows? You, you need more picks. So I ended up in this draft room where I had those two guys, and Kenley Jansen was there in the fifth. So, again, it's three closers, but it's not one, two, three. I didn't go, you know, Hendricks, Hader, and then another closer where I gave up my first three picks. And I hope I'm not whitewashing the value of these picks. But the decision I came down to, Jeff, where I'm, I'm the master of compartmentalization. That's always my thing. Mm -hmm. So I came down to – I kept breaking down this decision further and further and further to where I said, well, if I would already draft the closer three and four, and I would normally let's say, take a starting pitcher at that five, if I take a reliever here – and it saves me quite literally six picks later on. Lit white, what is literally six or seven picks later? Can I think of that as an even swap? The seven closer picks later for the one starting pitcher early and use those seven picks, let's say five of them on starters and another two on bats to look to make my entire profile more robust. And of course, listen, I mean, this is no secret. The more you take shots at late saves, 
these guys have very high probabilities for zeros, legit zeros, unstartable zeros. Robert Stevenson last year, every single guy in the Reds bullpen, because guess what? I galaxy brained that one, Jeff. And I said, well, if I have Lorenzen and TJ Antone and Amir Garrett, who just struck out 18 guys in a row in spring training and promised me he was the closer, I could not possibly <laughs> fall short of 45 saves combined. And I think, I think I might have gotten four. And that's if they were in my lineup. You can't burn 10% of your roster on zeros chasing one category. So this, again, this is a one-off. I'm not like the three ace closer guy, but it really seemed interesting. And I thought it was perfect podcast fodder as well. Not to say I'm making, you know, wasting my money for podcast topics, but it seemed to be reasonable enough that I traded Kenley Jansen. And the, the last part of this, Jeff, is no other draft capital spent on closers. It was so three closers and that's it. That's it. No other capital spent. The overall winner of draft champions last year had 90 saves and 250 less innings pitched than everyone around him. Doesn't mean he did what I did because he did have somebody later, but it sure. can work. And it was the overall. So that goes to what I mentioned before about unique builds. Mm, could be something here. I'm doing a uh, Dr. Evil yeah. thing here. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it just made enough sense to pull the trigger but I don't even know if you could repeat it if you wanted to. Very tough to get an ace closer in the fifth right now, which I do consider Jansen. His, uh, again, Arsenal dissection has been at the center of a lot of my work. He does not have a, I think, an X slug on any one pitch over 310, and he doesn't have a sub 32% whiff rate on any pitch. He was fantastic. So I, I love that. And I pushed it forward, and now I'm at the center of this kind of conversation. Yeah. yeah. Canley Jansen you know, is unsigned, but as you made the point, Wherever he signs, he's going to close. He's closing. Yeah, right. He's closing. Yeah, in part because I don't think Kenley Jansen is capable of being the ace reliever type of guy. He, he's a guy that needs his slow, deliberate warm-up, comes in in the ninth, does yes. his thing. He's earned that, though, too. I love yes. Kenley Jansen. I'm not even a Dodgers fan, but I live out here. I mean, I, I think, you know, Dodger fans, for some reason, don't love him. And I don't quite get it. because I, And it's because of a couple of playoffs. Uh, issue, issues where he's had. But if you look at his playoff stats, they're actually really good. He's just had a help, couple of high-profile shaky situations there. Anyways, we're here with three three-ace closer guy, John Legaza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, got a question from Joseph. He asks, is Emmanuel Classe a top-five closer this year? Is he one of those guys that you're going after if you're doing the early closer thing? Yes, uh, absolutely. He's in that, that second wad, the second clump, where I've Man, I almost am indifferent to them. I'm just trying to diversify as I do more and more of these drafts, knowing that I'm pushing these guys up. You're going to end up with a bunch of them. So if you stay strict to rankings, I, I'm afraid of have of too much duplication. Though I probably might say Classe's role might be the most in jeopardy. Although I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think it's as secure as you know Iglesias, Chapman, and Jansen really have you these. And Presley also, I always refer back to that excellent article uh, Alex Fast did a couple of years ago, right? It was at a, a first pitch about closer use. Houston historically is the A1 of our guy. Like that's the team that you want. So mm. the reason I like Presley even there more so than Class A is because I think he provides a better backup, right? You can go with um, Nerys and even like Static, if you were going the route of that, where you're going to get all the Astros aids. You're going to get all of them. They're going to go to somebody until they don't, and they're going to go to someone else until they don't. So I always like to think about that in draft and holds. So I just want to be careful of like this kind of making things into like a binary ranking. You know what I mean? There's a little more context to it. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree about that. Uh, and, you know, Dusty has always been that. Uh, he wants to have his guy, too. He's not a committee guy. So that that definitely applies. And I know that Presley didn't have a ton of saves last year, but I'm not worried about that. He's in that tier for me. In fact, yeah. I traded for him in the XFL, which is a hybrid, you know, keeper slash dynasty league, because I got tired of chasing saves. I wanted one yeah. of those guys, and he was locked in at a pretty good price. So, you know, I gave up a lot of pretty decent amount of capital, capital for him, too. I gave up a Urias plus a draft pick um and luis uris not julio uh okay that's a big difference should should clarify yeah yeah Yeah, julio would be a bigger deal yeah Uh, that's why that's what i thought at first i was like wow you really did you yeah yeah Yeah. but i do put presley in that group Uh, i think that's the real takeaway there how do you feel about jordan romano i'm out i'm i've already i'm i can't i can't wrap my mind around the around the price there because i need the certainty and that's where i've ended up where Back five, why don't I just pay mid three? It's just I've almost gotten into this like, just pay it, just kind of take your medicine. That's what it feels very much like right now. The market is deemed the price. You can complain about it all you like. It's not going to change market prices. And I got news for you. This is something I mentioned also. The NFBC ADP lags because the drafts need to be completed to be entered. So like Hader and Hendricks are at 18 and 20 or 19 and 22, where they're going at 14 and 50 now. So, you know, you could just, and if you thought like, oh, it's going to normalize. No, it's not going to normalize. It's going even further. I think I may have even seen uh, Hader as high as seven overall. I believe he has a new, yeah, I wow. believe he has a new min at seven. So forget all of that. That that This is what the market is. So you can either jump on the wave and pay the price. Or you need a very good late plan. My worry is somebody like Romano is just not certain. Romano almost feels like you're trying to be half in and half out. Oh, I'll pay. I'll kind of pay, but you might not get what you wanted. So you're just better off paying to get what you wanted. You nailed it. Presley is a guy. He is. If anyone is good to be penciled in for 35, it's him. Romano just might not be because Toronto is a candidate for Canley. If they brought in Jansen, Romano is worthless. I mean, I, don't, I guess I shouldn't say, yeah, he's basically worthless. I mean, you know. I don't think he's worthless because the way, I don't think Kenley's a two or three days in a row sort of guy. And I think that is one of the things that, hold, you know, All right. that's why a lot of, allowed Trinan to be useful last year. Okay, uh, yeah, and, I think that's fair. That's a really good, that's a really and good if you're And keep in mind, you're in a draft and hold. Uh, that there's going to be weeks. You don't want to be stuck with that bad two starts where the second starts bad or something like that, or you get a slew of injuries. Sometimes an ace reliever that might get a win, might get a save, yeah. has great ratios, still has some value, I think. Chad Green. He just like, feels early without the certainty, I think. Well, of course, of course. Uh, I was talking with Fred Zinke. He doesn't think they're going to bring in Jansen. He, he feels like there's no buzz on that. Um, he feels a lot more certain that Romano's the guy. The look at it, the usage of Romano down the stretch when games really had a ton of value, you know, it was Romano, Romano, Romano all the way good. down the stretch. Same thing with Scott Barlow, believe it or not, too. And that's the other thing. People are kind of shying away from Scott Barlow. I got an idea. I am. I'm nervous. Roof. Yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, we, we, no one likes to trust Mike Matheny. Uh, yeah. But I think Barlow's skills are good. I don't I don't doubt his skills at all. Uh, it's just a question of role. Um, so yeah. I've, I've, I've ended up with Romano in a league or two. But that's only because, like, Presley's gone. I, but I'll tell you the guy I'm nervous on. And it's a role as Chapman. Yeah, I, I I don't doubt the role when he's healthy, but I just I see more volatility in his, his actual ability. I see the walks are climbing higher and higher. I see the velocity is still high compared to the rest of the human world, but low <laughs> for him, you know. And I I just think that there's a potent, potential drop off there. Now I've been fooled by that before. You know, Craig Kimbrell took that dip and then came back up. 
you know, it's, it's still possible, but I'm a little nervous about a role. This. Well, I, I don't think it's unfounded. I, I, it's not unfounded at all. I think part of it is going to be narrative based. You have to kind of believe there's something with the ball there. And then mm-hmm. you have the security of the role. My worry with the Yankees actually is maybe similar to what we were talking about before. I'm not sure where they go after him. You know, Green gets some love. Weisinger gets some love. Hard to deter. I'm not sure where where the job goes. I do sure. firmly believe it's him. And he's been he's been bad enough for long enough stretches. They've just shown they're going they're going him. It's having the big having the big shutdown closer seems to be it's in Green somewhere. It's in part of the plan somewhere, right? It's part of the business plan. It's written in permanent marker. So I I have the confidence, but your points are more than valid, which is almost like pulling one person out of that five player bucket. It's shrinking every day. Right. It is. Well, especially with all these guys that are unsigned. And now we are going, Fred and I were going through the unsigned, you know, pitchers still out there. It's less impressive than the unsigned hitters. Uh, You know, there's not too many real good closers. I want to see, I want to see where Jake Odorizzi lands. That's, I I don't think he'll close, but the right situation, I could, I see, I could see him being a good closer. If you look at like uh, what he's done as a reliever with the Rays, if he went on my reds, I'd be pretty, pretty happy. I, I think he's under contract this year with Houston still. Uh, yeah, they signed. No, him I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. Not Odorizzi. My bad. Uh, yeah, Colin McHugh. Oh, Colin I don't McHugh. know why oh, I conflated a, the oh, two. Oh, that's a horse. Of My mistake. Color. That's My a mistake. horse of a different color. Although, well, at one point they were kind of clumped together. We were during preseason analysis. Yeah, Colin McHugh is an interesting one. I think from a. It's very interesting you mentioned him. As I've run a ton of my offseason pitching stuff, he has. I've had to pull him out of some of my boards because he pops on everything. He was so effective, elite efficacy last year. McHugh is a really good pull. I don't even really – shame on me. I don't even really know where he's going. That's a really good one. I like his prospect better than uh, – I don't know. Ian Kennedy is being dangled as potentially a closer for places – I mean, possibly, maybe like the Marlins, if they want like a solid night. Why not Texas again? You know, just sign sign them and then trade them again. That, uh, that might be okay fit. Also, I don't, I don't no, know. I'd be laughing. Silly, I hear people talk actually. about like the Dodgers are going to sign him because they want a closer. That I don't see. McHugh is he really? That's a really great pull because yeah. that's a good that's a good combination of skills. If I'm going to reach for the non opportunity and needing things to happen, especially with a pitcher that. There are, let's say, I don't know, would you say 40% of clubs, if they went there, they wouldn't close? I want better stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, McHugh's a really good pull where Kennedy is very hard for me to get behind. People are into, like, I don't know, and Chafin and Boxberger, and I'm just not sure. that that I, I don't know, man. There's a lot of potential for a zero there. Yeah. Uh, who's one late? So, you're not going for late guys and, and saves. What are no. you getting late? What are you giving up early to get those saves? Like, what's the Starting one? Starting pitching. Starting, Starting pitching. pitching. Yeah. Uh, again, it's part of my bread and butter. And I think that should be how everyone goes about their own strategy is trying to maximize their skills yeah. because of my handicapping work. I always have the electron magnifying glass, the electron microscope out on every pitching matchup every day. So I'm very good at adding in season. You know, all my teams last year had Kyle Gibson and just name all the guys that kind of came out of nowhere. I pick, which I'm usually quick to pick up on it because I have all this advanced stuff running every day. So I feel like I can give up a fifth or sixth round pitcher and especially if it means multiple picks, I've been trying to do the weak antelope kind of thing, Jeff. So I'm looking at, let's see, Minnesota has weakness at the back of the rotation with potential arms behind it. Baltimore has weakness. 
Washington, all oh, the Nationals have a bunch of weakness. Pittsburgh has a bunch of weakness. So I'm looking for rotations that have maybe two or three potential places to land that 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 dart, you know, and then look for skills behind it because it's a long season. And if you have IP questions going into April, one of my guys is going to get a crack come July and August. And they, you know, we're talking about guys now because of the opportunity cost of trading up early, it's a multitude of guys. So I'm talking about having, you know, I don't even know, I'll throw out a name. Griffin Jacks is my piece 18 or something. Where a guy like that gets a shot with a little bit of a track record, he could give you innings in September down the stretch, no question. Sure. And you don't have to press for him to stream again because he's your 17th starter instead of your, I know it sounds crazy, but this is the terms you have to think about it, rather than being your 12th starter or your 13th starter. Those guys in the middle provide the buffer that allow you to stream more effectively. That's part of that Phil Dussault strategy there, right? That maximizing the possibility of pitching streaming where, you know, getting five innings, five Ks, two earned runs is very common. So that's kind of where I'm going, looking for repeatable starts back. And I'm going to look for some youngsters to fill in weaknesses and rotations. I, you know, talking about all this makes me think about drafting holds a little bit more because <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that. what we've been in that mindset. I, I want to get my, I, I am going to sign up for one more draft and hold and do it soon because I don't want to do a draft and hold after the lockout ends. And the reason for that is everyone's going to be holding out for information. There's going to be so many guys signed, so many things that are going to change. You know how some people want to get all the information possible, take their full allotment of time on a pick. I, you know, if you, I, I, I don't feelings. like that anyhow, but it's going to be magnified. Yeah. during when during this whole process you yeah, know four how. hours especially no i'm not doing any four hours yeah i don't think so either um two questions from the listeners and we'll t- take us out of here here joseph asked will bobby witt make the opening day roster and be a beast right away well i i don't know the answer but i can tell you that you're paying for that yeah and i think that's sure. enough that's enough to make the decision for me so i have zero bobby witt I am going to enjoy watching him break out if it happens. I tend to cheer for these kind of cool stories. I kind of like the Royals, which is weird. I've become a weird Reds and Royals fan. I don't know. Maybe I got tired of winning with the Yankees. They have room aboard the bandwagon, that's for sure. I love, have you seen any of that? I love the Reds. Don't get me started. I love the Reds. It's insane. What a, what a disappointing team. Just two years ago, we were talking about maybe getting to the World Series with this strong pitching staff, and now we're to sell all. Oh, just awful. Well, you heard but the Reds win. therapy cast. You know, Jenny Butler described right. It was a half-assed attempt at, yeah, at trying to so, win. So with wit, the answer is possible, but you're definitely paying for it. And it's also possible and possibly probable that he doesn't produce at the level you expect. So that's a few too many, you know, stones on the do not draft scale for me. And the people that do it. Listen, you know, no guts, no glory sometimes. So you you said it. Sometimes you got to go get it. No one's going to do it for you. If you believe it, you go draft them. I can't. I'm not too conservative for that. Understandable. And James Anderson, you know, big prospect guy for us, is on record I'd saying he James. probably won't get him for uh, price. He'll go like, you know, he'll go with some of the other, like Dansby ahead of him. Uh, I, you know, I love Dansby. So uh, yes. I'm on board with that. Uh, one other, and it's another Royals question. Jasper asks, Asa Lacey, any thoughts? Oh man, would I get in trouble if I told you I had to go look this up? So no, I could, no, I would probably no, say no. It'd be honesty again. I don't know. I, the name is familiar, and I thought Royals, I remember Royals seeing prospect. It. Um, and you know they have seven guys that are in their rotation right now. Uh, he looked good at, at, at last year in the minors. Looked good a little bit in the fall league. 
I think it's a question. Oh, of oh, oh that's why that ended up outside my radar. That there you go. You just explained it. Royals pitching we're talking about. Yep. Uh, man, I, I, I've been tweeting about this sporadically throughout the offseason. Can someone figure this out for me? There is no way. I'm sorry. I can't see Lacey. How many people would Lacey have to jump? Because I, I the, the Royals' rotation is actually kind of intriguing. Very I intriguing. Would I would suggest people check out Rob Silver's um, PitchCon presentation on Carlos Hernandez, where he used um, Alex Chamberlain's pitch comp leaderboard to – quite literally show you that Carlos Hernandez is a Frankenstein of Shane Bieber and, and Jacob DeGrom. It's really, it's phenomenal. It really is. It's really great stuff. But that rotation has a lot of bright spots to it, right? So Singer, I think, is going to get a crack. Yep. Um, Bubich, I think, will get a crack. I think he might he might fail at that. But they also have Proar is going to get a He has to get a shot. He was has a ton of shine. Um, Lynch has to get another crack. So I feel like Lee, so I'm glad we got to it. So I don't. I was I'm not familiar with Lacey, but it's because I haven't gotten down that rotation far enough. I think he has to skip two or three people. So I'd be looking more at Lynch and Proard this year, right? If we're talking about redraft, we're right. about 2022 and, and Brad Keller is there. Yeah, Keller Mike Miner is there. Yes, and I think those I think all of those lead ballers were disproportionately affected by the ball, Jeff. And again, we could data back it a little bit. I don't know for sure what's gonna happen. But if we know we had a higher EV at the point of contact and the it was the raising seams that were causing the impedance of the ball in flight while in the air, it could stand to reason that ground bowlers would be disproportionately affected, being punished by the increase of EV at contact without the ability of the raising seams to slow down the ball, leading to more base hits. We saw that. Brad Keller, Dallas Keigel, uh, Kyle Hendricks all had quite literally – Double their barrel rates and their home run per nine rates. And we're talking over 1,500 inning samples. All of a sudden, they just doubled out of nowhere. Be on the lookout for those guys to possibly correct. I don't think Keller, Brad Keller, will ever be the 215 ERA guy we saw whatever that, that year. Right, but right, I do right. think he could be and back to the same 58% ground ball, 4.3 ERA kind of innings eater guy that could hold up a guy like Lacey. So I'm glad we got to that. All right. Very good. Thanks for the questions, guys. John, what do you got coming up next? Uh, what, what, what's next to drop? Loud noises and baseball, as always. My unique combination of loud noises and baseball. No, everybody, it's Monday and Friday. Check out Mayo Media Network. I really encourage you to check out the library we've built. It's under. It has a playlist, Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets. Or, and again, just Cork Stats. They're nice enough to put it in their description so it does pop up. My YouTube channel or the podcast. Really proud of the stuff going on this year. A lot of it is evergreen for the off season. So I, I just, I really encourage people to just check it out, you know, and volunteer to do those errands at home for your significant other volunteer to go to the butcher shop, hit up the laundromat, and it'll give you a couple hours to listen to some baseball. Walk the dog. That's what that's, that's been my new solution is to try to get more podcasts. Every time I walk Harley, there you uh, go. I get a lot. Honey, podcast, I really dude. appreciate you walking the dog late. And you're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm that kind of guy. This is, you know, this is how I am. There you go. And <laughs> when you're walking the dog, you can you're not you don't have to be having a conversation with anyone either. Yep. So it's super sneaky that way too. All right, that's going to tie it up here for today. Thanks everybody for uh, listening in. Thanks for the great questions, John. Yeah. Thank you for your insights. Thank it's you. a pleasure to get wow. to know you just a little bit more. And Flattery, man. This is such an honor. Forward. You're, you're very welcome. Um, and thanks to WinBet for your sponsorship as always. We've got Clay and Todd coming up tomorrow. As always, thanks for listening to RotoWire. Have a great day.